Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. I'm pretty pumped, I'm excited, um, but, I, but I'm going to do something that may not be so exciting for y'all. Have you ever walked into school um, when you were younger, or some of you like that are in high school still right now, or college, and you, you walk in to class and you realize you, there's a test today, and you forgot to study for it? Can I get a witness? Yeah. How many of you all, when I said that, you could feel in your stomach the way you felt that day when you walked in, like, ugh, it's not really good, or you got a pop quiz or something that comes up? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all a test this morning, okay? We're going to talk a little bit about some tests that the Israelites went through and some tests that they may have put God through while they were in the wilderness. Um, but I'm going to give you some questions so take out a piece of paper real quick um, to write these down or your phone because you're going to want to take notes today, I just know. So question number one is uh, in the category of chemistry, category of chemistry. Um, I remember when I had chemistry asking my professor one time, uh, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was going to be a funny joke and she didn't have a sense of humor. I said, um, if nothing sticks to Teflon, what makes Teflon stick to the pan? Right, that's a funny joke. And she goes, Bonding. Okay, don't ask the chemistry teacher chemistry jokes, okay? They don't get them. Um, So here's a question on a test. What is the strongest bond? What is the strongest bond? Anybody know what what kind of bond is the strongest bond? Well, there's this kid that took the test. He wasn't prepared, so here's his response. James Bond. James Bond, the strongest bond. And so then when asked, can you name four types of bonds? He was like Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, Daniel Craig. Okay, so next one, next category, biology. Um, Quinn gets cut and his blood runs red. Why? So why does blood run red? So we've got biologists out here who are giving me the answer. And uh, there was a kid who was not quite prepared. So here's his answer. Because Quinn is not a robot. Quinn is a real boy. That's a good answer, right? Uh, question three in the category of history. Some of, we have history buffs. Any history buffs in here? Okay, some people may be ready. Okay, what ended in 1886? What ended in 1886? Anybody have an idea? That's correct, 1885. 1885 is what ended in 1886. It's a true answer right there, right? Uh, question four in the category of mathematics. To change centimeters to meters. Now I know we, we, we live on the, the uh, American based system, right? Uh, colonial British based system, not, not metric. But to change centimeters to meters, you do what? What do you do? Okay, people divide by all this. Forget it. If, if you didn't know this answer, school would have been so much easier. You simply take out centi. <laughs> then it's just half meters. That's how you change centimeters to meters. Okay, so here's the last one. In the space below, this is a um, essay answer. In the space below, this professor writes on the bottom of a test, Write any overall comments about this course or instructor that were not mentioned above. And the person answered, if I only had one hour to live, I would spend it in this class because it feels like an eternity. (laughs) So it's my hope that this next little bit together while we're, we're walking, that it won't feel like a test this morning and that it won't feel like an eternity this morning either. But if you would, if you take your Bibles, open them to Exodus chapter 17, 
um, and stand with me real quick uh, for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read you kind of like the end of the book. We're going to be in chapter 15, 16, and 17. There's a few different stories that happen. Uh, and this is the very end of the story, okay? Uh, chapter 17, uh, verse 17. It says this, or verse 7, sorry. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested by the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Is the Lord here with us or not? You ever been in a place where you're not sure if the Lord's there or not? He's promised he would be there. He's promised he would never leave us or forsake us, but sometimes it just doesn't really feel that way. Can I get a witness? Yeah, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word. Guide and direct us today as we look into your word that you would help us to reflect you. God, I pray that uh, as we walk through life and tests and trials and temptations and tribulations come our way, that you would help us to remember your faithfulness, that you would live in us, that you would live through us, and that you would help us to remember how great your faithfulness is. All these things, Father, we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So chapter 15 ends after the people have walked through the Red Sea, you know, with the with the walls on each side. I don't know if Pastor David, I can't remember if he talked to us last week about, you know, how many of y'all are afraid if you're walking through the Red Sea, your kids would be like reaching in, trying to grab the fish that were on the walls. Like, and this, this picture of us walking through the Red Sea. They get to the other side. The Egyptians are wiped out. And in chapter 15, they sing this song of the greatness of God and how awesome he is and how faithful he is. And when he makes promises, he keeps them and he guides us and he is strong, and he is great, and he is powerful. And they sing all these awesome things about God, right? And then they forget all about the great and awesome God that they serve because it says they left that place in chapter 15 um, that they leave and they go and they begin to look for water. And they wander around for three days and they don't find any water. And Moses takes them to this place called Mara, where there was a spring. Now realize Moses had lived out in the wilderness. He knew where to go. He knew what to do. He had taken them the distance to get them to a place where there was a good spring. The problem is because of the storm and the crazy things that happened there at the Red Sea, most um, geologists, biologists, um, they feel like what happened with uh, meteorologists, with all the stuff that happened with the, the storms and the lightning and earthquake and things that made the, the Red Sea part, that you end up with all this rain and, and down from the mountains, you end up with these weird mineral deposits and things that came and probably settled on top of this spring. So you have spring water coming up very clear, but on the top, it's not very good. So what happens is Moses gets there where he knows there is a good spring, but the water tastes nasty. It's, it's not good, it's bitter is what the Hebrews tell us. It's not good and they're going, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? So the people start complaining to Moses. You brought us out here. You just want us to die. It's so bad. Now, before we start, I always read these things thinking about them being whiners, but it's been three days with nothing to drink. 
three days since they left the Red Sea. And they're like, we're gonna die. We need something. So Moses is there, he's trying to figure out what happened and God shows him a piece of wood and tells him to throw the wood into the water. So Moses picks up wood and throws it in the water. Now I'm holding up to you here a piece of charred wood, like a piece of charcoal. Um, how many of y'all are like Bear Grylls kind of survival kind of people? You love those kind of shows. I'm gonna go live off the land. Okay, two of you, great. Okay, three of you. Um, we got a lot of city folk in here today. Um, one of the ways that they show you you can kind of get impurities out of the water is by using charcoal. It, it attracts the minerals, the bad stuff that you can then have clear drinking water. So that's what's in a lot of filters is charcoal, filters your water. Some people believe that the wood that Moses threw in there might very well have been charcoal that sucked all the stuff off the top of the water that then made the spring water that they could get to clean and pure. And as the scripture says, sweet, it tasted good. It wasn't bitter anymore. It was good, okay? So God shows Moses this piece of wood and Moses feels like, okay, I'm supposed to throw it in there and it clears up the water. After three days of not drinking, being frustrated, complaining about Moses, the people got water. God used science. Isn't it crazy? If you don't know about science, it seems like a miracle, doesn't it, when it happens? But God used science to help clear the water. Interesting thing. Have you ever been at a part in your life where you're waiting for God to do something and you want God to do it a certain way, right? Like, have you ever said, God, I need this to happen and here's how I need you to do it, right? You already know how he can do it. You've already got it worked out for him. So you just kind of tell him how he should do it. Moses has no idea. It's just like, Lord, we can't drink. What are we gonna do? Here's this wood, throw it in. So Moses throws the wood in and the water's clear. So you'd think the people would go, oh my goodness, God has saved us through the Red Sea. He does this huge miracle. We get here where there's water. Um, we can't drink it. He shows Moses what to do, throws the wood in and God uses science. They, they wouldn't have known it was science, but this weird way of clearing out the water and we can drink. So awesome, our God is awesome. He does great things. It says here at the end of chapter 15, it was there at Marah that the Lord then said to them, okay, I imagine if you're, you're God, these people keep testing you, right? He says, there at Marah, the Lord said before them, the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I, will make, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I've set out my decrees for you. You keep wanting to test me. <laughs> Realize things are gonna get tough. Things are gonna be rough. A few weeks ago in the Wednesday night class that we're doing, we're walking through some of the C.S. Lewis uh, stuff, we talked about the problem with evil. And that in, in the world, sometimes there's evil that comes against us that opposes us directly. Sometimes there's evil in the world because of the systems that we create. We're men, we're human, we're gonna do things not quite right. That gets very frustrating. But then there's evil in the world that's just kind of the way it is since the fall. Weeds spring up, you know, after the fall, women have pain in childbirth. There's some things that are just there that we don't necessarily think of them as evil, but they're evil. Um, I'm looking back here, I actually can see some of you today. I see Carrie uh, sitting back here. Carrie's one of the landscapers that does all the, he's the landscaper that does all the church stuff. Um, I don't know if when Carrie's out doing stuff with the weeds, if he does like I am, if I have to go outside and pull weeds, 
I curse Adam and Eve. Because before the fall, there were no weeds. And so after the fall, God says, I'm gonna cause weeds to come up and you gotta pull these things and it'll be hard for you to work the soil. So every time I'm pulling weeds, I'm like stinking evil Adam and Eve, right? There's just stuff in the world that happens. Sometimes we come against trials and temptations and things that are just a part of the world. Somebody's not trying to test you. Somebody's not trying to make things hard for you. It's just the way it is, okay? God says, you're gonna go through life. There's gonna be tough things. There's gonna be trials. There's gonna be temptations. There's gonna be things that come your way. I've kind of outlined some things for if you follow those things and do what I've told you, I promise you, a lot of these things that I visited against the Egyptians, they won't come to you. Follow my ways, trust my ways. That's hard for us though, right? Because when it gets tough, I wanna blame somebody else. I wanna blame God. I wanna get frustrated. I want God to fix things now the way I want them. And sure enough, what happens if we go into 16 is they leave Elam, they leave this country or the place where they were out in the wilderness. And and so if you can picture in your mind um, the Sinai Peninsula where Saudi Arabia is and all that, this is kind of where they're out walking around wandering, okay? So they leave Elam, they go to the wilderness of sin and that's not the place where people would go to sin. It's not like Las Vegas. It's just, it's a different kind of sin. Um, It's short for Sinai. Mount Sinai was out there. So they just called it Sinai, okay? So they go out to this wilderness area and while they're wandering around, um, it says, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. And there too, the whole community complained about Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron have now been leading the people for one month. Now, as they've been going, God has parted the Red Sea and the Egyptians were, were uh, drowned in the Red Sea behind them. Now they get a place where they don't have water and God provides them clean water. And so every time something's good, man, God, you're an awesome God, it's great. And then when things aren't quite the way they need to be, Moses and Aaron brought us out here to die. What are you doing? This is all a great trick. And so here's what they say. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Um, A few months ago, we preached about how we can look backwards. And sometimes when we look back, we remember things better than they were. Have you ever noticed that? That's why we call them the good old days. Remember the good old days? I don't know when the good old days were for you, but remember the good old days? Most of us, we look back on the good old days because we were still in high school. We didn't have to have jobs. We didn't have to work. We we weren't hashtag adulting like it's so hard, right? We look back and listen to them. Remember, they left Egypt because they were slaves, being forced into labor, making bricks, working seven days a week, never getting any rest. And they're going, oh, if you'd have just left us in Egypt, we had... We had pots of meat and daily beatings. Do you remember those daily beatings? Weren't those wonderful? You don't remember all those things. Why did you bring us out of here to die? We have no food. We're gonna, we're gonna die, it's horrible. So Moses and Aaron go to God and say, God, this is bad, they're about to kill us. So God takes them off and in the distance you see this cloud. There's this cloud as God's talking to Moses and Aaron. The people are watching, they can see us. Moses and Aaron come back and say, here's what God has said. Um, tonight and tomorrow, you will have food. You'll have meat to eat and you will have bread and I will take care of you. Okay, whatever. 
Scripture then tells us that night, quail fell from the sky and it covered the whole ground of where they were. Now, people estimate somewhere between 200,000 and a million people were with Moses. Um, we don't know exactly. There's different things written different places on how many were actually there. It's a ton of people. He's marching around. Enough quail fall from the sky to feed everybody. And then in the morning, there's this flaky, dewy substance on the ground. It would rain, the dew would form, and it would encapsulate the stuff that then they gathered up. And they gathered up, it says, two quarts. It says an omer. They were to gather up every person this much for your food for the day. And it was this thing called manna because they didn't know what it was. Manna simply means, what is it? <laughs> so have you ever, don't, you know, your, has your spouse ever cooked something and you sit down and you go, what is it? Yeah, don't do that, don't do that. Um, but they, there's this stuff called, what is it? This is how much the people had every day. They would gather it up and if they, they were only supposed to gather up enough for one day. Now, it seems like if God is God and he can make manna appear, why couldn't he like make enough appear for the week? Why is it just enough for every day? Why is it just enough to get me through where I still rely on him? Have you all ever felt that way? Like, I wish God would let me know what's gonna happen for the next four years. That would make life so much easier, wouldn't it? As I sit and I talk with people about things going on in their life, we don't live very much where we have to worry about our daily bread. Some of us do. Some of us live paycheck to paycheck, maybe week to week, try to figure out how to make things stretch, how to make things get through. These people are out in the wilderness where they didn't have credit cards to get food that they needed. They couldn't go somewhere and get the stuff they wanted. They were reliant every day upon God providing what it was that they needed. God says, if you take more than what you need, it'll be bad for you. Now realize in chapter 15, he's already told them, test me. If you test me, um, I'm gonna, if you do my things, if you do what I tell you, it's gonna work out good. If you don't do what I tell you, not gonna be so good. So guess what they do? Some people decided, eh, I'm gonna take some extra because I don't like getting up early and getting this manna stuff. And so I'm gonna take enough for two or three days, right? So if they took more than enough for one day, it rotted and stunk and there were maggots all in it. Isn't that exciting? It's exciting. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, I, when I left town, college students come over to my house sometimes here in, in, in town. Some of your kids, um, I guess they don't like how you cook or they don't wanna be with you, I don't know. Um, they show up at my house and um, I just have like chicken tenders in the freezer and we'll make stuff or do whatever. Sometimes they'll bring their own food and make guacamole and various things. And um, right before I went on vacation, about a week before I went on vacation, some came over and one of them brought a steak to cook. And so, sure, you know where the grill is. So he went out back, cooked up his steak. Um, I assumed wrongfully, cleaned up after himself, right? Assumed that that happened. And um, I left and went to Florida. In the meantime, uh, my wife, Melissa, finally got to move to Grove City full-time. So she moves to Grove City. Yeah, I know. So she's here now. Praise Jesus. There is a God in Israel. And so she's not here today, though. Um, she's in Puerto Rico. <laughs> um, so Melissa gets here. And um, so she's excited. She's starting to put things together, getting the house ready. She's um, working remotely and 
got to get everything all situated. And so she goes to the backyard and uh, she was doing some stuff with some flowers. And she said she looked over by the grill. And you know that styrofoam thing that they keep steaks in and it's got like that little, that little blood thing that keeps the blood. It was still sitting over there. But it wasn't just that. She, there was this mound of something that was moving. Yeah, and so she went over and it was maggots. So get, my phone rings. Hey, guess what? The grossest thing just happened. She goes, did you realize there's this thing out there? And I was like, oh yeah, that was, I won't say who, um, but this guy left. It wasn't me though. Praise God, it was not me. Um, I did not do it. Uh, it was left out there. I said, I guess, he, I guess he left it out there. She goes, well, great. Well, I got to clean it up. I said, well, I'll be sure to tell him <laughs> that you were not happy. Um, but it was maggots. It's nasty. It stunk. It was gross. Can you imagine? Everyone in, the, everyone in camp knew who had taken more than enough of their manna, right? Because they're like, oh, I got, a, I got maggots coming out of the uh, gross, right? God says, do what I've asked you to do and I will take care of you. But I want more than enough. I don't wanna rely on you just today. I mean, can I, can I give a few days where I don't have to rely on you for my daily bread? Isn't it interesting when Jesus teaches us to pray? He asks us to pray for our daily bread. Yeah, when I'm around talking with people here at church about what's going on, what's happening in the economy, um, there's big questions about what's going on in the stock market. When do you think it's gonna change? What's gonna happen? Man, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my 401k. I don't know that I'll have enough to retire and live on. We're thinking about way into the future. And God's going, hey, just, I got you. I can take care of you day in, day out. Trust me, follow my ways, serve me. I'll take care of you. But I wanna I want know how you're gonna take care of me for the next 30 years. If you could just give me that plan, that'd be great, right? God's going, eh, trust me today. Sometimes I can do things through science. Throw this piece of wood in the water and I'll make it clear. Sometimes it takes a miracle where there's this food that appears. I read up on what is manna, have we figured out what it is yet? There's all kinds of speculations. People have gone and lived over there to see what happens and what goes on. And there is this, uh, there's a tamarind tree that gives off a certain sort of sap and in the pollen there's things that come down and then it makes like a, like a resin type stuff that's kind of sweet to the taste, but it's mostly full of sugar. You can't make bread out of it, you can't grind it. So that wasn't working. There's some people who thought it might have been locusts who would come and they would secrete this stuff on the ground and it was kind of sweet tasting. And if it was locust eggs, then that would make sense on why they turned to maggots the next day. And so they tested that and found out that's not really it. They've gone through all these different things to test and figure out what could this have been? They realized, okay, the tamarind trees, they only pollinate in June and July. So it's not that. Locusts were not following them around for 40 years, laying this stuff down every day for enough for that many people. So that's not what it was. So most people have to come and say, oh, we don't know what it was. It's just a miracle. Sometimes God can work in your life through a miracle when you need it. Uh, in first service, there was a guy, Mike, um, who we've prayed for during all the COVID stuff. He got COVID, was in the hospital, um, got sick, got real bad. He was in for 30 days. 
um, at the end of the 30 days, they had finally called his wife in to sign the papers to remove life support. And uh, when she went in, she just couldn't do it. She couldn't, she couldn't do it. She said, I know that's what I need to do, but I can't. Can we give him a few more days? And um, Mike stood up here in front of us today, um, testifying to God's greatness and God's healing. So can God heal? Miraculously, he can. Not just thousands of years ago, he still does it today, but also know there are people who prayed for loved ones who lost them. They didn't make it through. So as we walk through these tests and these trials, where do we see God's faithfulness? How do we open our eyes to see what he's doing in our lives? Sometimes he uses science. Sometimes he uses the miraculous. Sometimes he uses people. So they leave the wilderness of sin. Finally, the people of Israel, they keep marching along. They travel three more days again without water. Seems like they would learn to pack more water. But um, they, they've run out of water again, and they start complaining. They're about to kill Moses this time. And um, I can see Moses going to God, just going, I know, I know they need to learn to trust you, but they're about to kill me every time. Can we please change the, the way we do things, God? Um, I wanted to serve you. I wanted to follow you. I, okay, I'm doing all this, but make it a little bit easier for me, can you please? And uh, there's nothing to drink. And God sends Moses over with his staff and says, I want you to gather all the people and I want you to go over to this rock. And once you have everybody there, you pray and you tell them what's gonna go on. I want you to take your staff and I want you to smack the rock and water's gonna come gushing forth. Now, I don't know about you, I've never seen that happen. I mean, fruit gushers, yes. I didn't know God made rocks that were like fruit gushers, but evidently he does. Moses goes over, takes the staff, whacks the rock and water comes out and Moses names the place Masa and Meribah. Masa because they put God to the test and Meribah because of all the arguing that was going on. How many of you, your life feels kind of like Masa and Meribah? Sometimes I wonder if God's putting me to the test, but I also know there are times I put God to the test. Okay, God, I want you to do it now. If not now, by the end of the day. Okay, if not by the end of the day, you know, tomorrow would be fine. But if you're really God, do this. Have you ever tried to give your teacher a test? Turn the tables? Yeah, it doesn't really work very well. I remember in college one time, I came into a class and the teacher was um, late and our college had a policy where um, if they were a new teacher and they were an assistant professor, you had to give them like five minutes. They could only be five minutes late and then you could leave class. If they had a master's degree and they were like an associate professor, um, you had to give them 10 minutes. If they had a doctorate and they were a full professor, 15 minutes. And if they didn't show up by that time, you could leave. And so this class I was in, uh, the, the professor had not made it in. I think it was either 10 minutes or 15 minutes. He had not made it in on time. So everybody left. Um, now there were three other people that I was in a uh, study group that we were supposed to have a group project and most everybody was done their projects, but we were not. Uh, we were procrastinators and we couldn't get together because of schedules and different things. And so we said, hey, we have a free hour right now. And so let's just work on our project. We'll get it knocked out. We're all here. Um, we had no other plans, so let's do it. Okay, great. So we're sitting there working on our paper and the professor walks in. He's like, where's everybody? And we said, well, 
they left because you were late. <laughs> sorry for you. And he goes, ha, 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 sorry for them. Take out a piece of paper. So we all took out a piece of paper. He said, write your name at the top. And uh, he asked us, he gave us a pop quiz real quick. And we're like, that's not fair. They're not here. And he said, that's their fault. And he said, well, no, no, the policy said that um, if you weren't here, we can leave. He said, and they, you can, you're perfectly welcome to. The policy doesn't say what I can do when I do arrive. So take a test, you're gonna take a test. So those of us that were there all got 100s on this pop quiz um, and the people that weren't there all got zeros. So we look like big nerds. Um, but it wasn't because I was just such a great student. It was just because I was a procrastinator and I hadn't worked on my group project. So thank you God for procrastination right then. Um, that was the only time I ever thanked him for that. Sometimes we put God to the test. Like we forget he's God. He knows what we're gonna do before we do it. He knows what's coming. He's going ahead of us, before us, and he's with us. And he is prepared and ready to meet your need in the time that you need it. Not when you think you need it. Not when you think you have to have the answer. But when it's time. So how many of you, over the last two years, during all this COVID thing, are like, okay, God, how much longer? Can this please be done? Amen, I'm there, I'm done. Then I went to Puerto Rico where they're having an outbreak and we had to wear masks everywhere we went all over again. Um, I'm like, oh, good grief, can this not be done? And so I was calling people up here. <laughs> it's funny, I called somebody that's here on the tech team and they were actually, two weeks ago, they were out because they had COVID, they were sick. Last week, Pastor Mark was up in um, Michigan. He was preaching at a thing, and, and on the last, next to last day, they came and told him um, he'd been sick. He couldn't figure out why, and a person that he'd been working with in the sound booth, they had COVID. So he had to come home, so he and Sue both had COVID. And so they're recovering from COVID. And then before I came here this week, one of our tech guys um, who does slides and puts stuff together, um, they texted me and said, hey, so-and-so's got COVID, so hurry up and get us your slides. Um, while I was in Puerto Rico, I'm like, good grief. And, I, and I'm, the whole time, here's what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking, oh, these poor people that have COVID. I was thinking, dear God, please, can I just get my slides in when I want to? You know, what is the deal? Can you just make this COVID stop? It's getting very, it's very, it's cramping my style. Um, can you please get COVID out of the way? God, where are you in the midst of all this? God, what is it that you're doing? And as I read through these passages of scripture, God was showing me, God shows up when he needs to. God's always present, but he might not answer the questions that we have in the timing that we want, but he's God and we're not. The last place I saw this revealed was this weekend, this last week, sorry, in, in Puerto Rico. Can you put up some of those pictures that we had? So while we're in Puerto Rico, um, I told you we went over, we found out we're gonna be going to this school and we're gonna be painting. And so they stuck us in this room. Now, there were two other projects that we had that we needed to get done uh, that involved demolition at a couple of other churches. So people went over to do the demolition. It was supposed to take about four days, five days. And they got all the demolition knocked out at the first church, which was supposed to take two to three days. They knocked it all out in one day. 
So they're back. The next church where they're supposed to be doing stuff, they went in, they knocked it all out in one day. And then the rest of us ended up painting. Um, how many of y'all like painting? Sadists. Um, um, but if you raise your hand again. Okay, good. You're on the next fishing trip because uh, we're gonna paint the rest of the school, I guess. So there you see, um, there's Landon and Matson up painting a wall. There are a few other people's painting the walls, but can you fast forward a little bit further? There's Joe laying on the ground. He's lazy. He figured out he wanted to paint the floor. Can I just paint the floor? I'm just kidding. That's not why he was doing that. Um, that's actually the bathrooms. They had to paint the inside of the bathrooms. So I have got time. I'll tell you a funny story. So Joe is in the bathroom and it was this little cubicle thing with weird angles all over the spot, hard to paint. So he calls his wife and um, she says, how's it going? He goes, ah, oh, it's been bad. I've been on the bathroom all day. And she's like, oh no, was it something you ate? And he's like, no, no, no. But it's just been in here all day long. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, what caused it? And he goes, paint. She's like, paint, did you eat paint? He goes, no, I'm sitting here painting. <laughs> so anyway, he had fun. Joe had fun, teasing his wife. Um, can you go to the last slide with, with um, Pastor Gladybell? Yeah, this is, this is the one. The lady in the purple shirt, um, just a little bit over to the right. That's the pastor at the uh, church. Um, I wish you could have been there as she walked in with tears of joy. She could hardly get the words out to express, thank you, thank you, thank you. She said, we have been praying, we have been seeking, and we were about to give up because it seemed like God was not coming through with what we felt he needed to. The school year's about to start. We have no relationship anymore with the school. She said, this is my school. As I walked through the school with her, we stopped and she goes, this is where I went to kindergarten. This was my school. As we're walking through, some of the teachers were coming up and hugging her. We've missed you, where have you been? She's going, I'm not allowed to come. I'm not allowed to be here. And as she looked at us and said, not only has the principal come over, but the principal has asked us to come be a part of what's going on and what's happening. Isn't God so good? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I say that to you today because I think there's some people who are sitting here who are frustrated. You're tired, you're worn out. I have a friend that I meet with that we've been praying for about five years for something to break loose for him. And he said, as we talk, he said, I just realize every day God provides enough for that day. And then he provides enough for the next day. And then he provides enough for the next day. And he said, you know what? I finally got to the place where I realized God's gonna provide each day what I need. And I can be happy about that. And I wake up the next morning and say, okay, God, what are you gonna do today? He said, now I didn't live the first part of my life that way. The first part of my life I had enough and more than enough, all these other things. But I've learned that God is faithful, that God will provide, that God will do what he needs to do when he needs to do it, whether it's in my timing or not. So I don't know what you're praying about. I don't know what your frustration is right now. I don't know what it is that you need God to answer for you. But I'm here to tell you today, whether it takes a miracle of science or whether it takes just a flat out miracle or whether it takes God sending someone your way 
or God takes sending you somewhere to be the answer to someone else's prayer, God is faithful. God is speaking, God is moving, God is talking. The question is, will we be available? God can use you. I'm gonna ask you if you would to stand with me. Uh, the ushers are gonna come here in just a second. There, if you didn't, when you walked in, if you didn't receive a communion cup, if you would get one of those right now, uh, just raise your hand if you didn't get one. The ushers will come to you. I left mine down here on the front row. We have in our denomination what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this local church. You don't have to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, this table is for you. This time together is for you. And so we're going to receive these elements together in just a moment. Uh, there's, there's a little piece of cellophane on the top you take out and it reveals kind of the wafer and then in a minute we'll pull back and you'll get to the juice. I've had people before ask me, what, what is this? <laughs> what is it? Kind of like manna. What is it? Jesus tells his disciples as they're taking the Passover, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness. For the people of Israel who had been freed from Egypt, who had been promised a savior, who had been promised salvation, who had been waiting on a Messiah, they waited thousands of years for God's answer. Imagine your whole life hearing about a promise and never seeing it, but telling your kids about the promise that was gonna come and them never seeing it. That's a long, long, long time. This is a reminder that God keeps his promises. In the book of Galatians, Paul says this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might save those who were under the law. He did this for you and for me even before we knew we needed God's help, before we knew that we needed water at Masa. God had provided water and the wood to purify the water. Before we knew we needed manna in the wilderness and God told us he would send us in the wilderness and send us to Canaan, God provided manna and quail and what we needed. It may not have been in the timing that we needed it, but God had already provided. It could be that when we get to the rock at Masa and Meribah and we finally put God to the test and say, come on, dude, Are you, did you bring us out here to die? Are you really even here? That God hits the rock and the water comes gushing forth. And whatever your need is right now, I want you to look at these elements and realize God says, I've known what you needed before you ever needed it, and I will take care of you. It's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. So I get to pass on to you that which was passed on to me, that on the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he blessed it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. 
Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he blessed it and said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of the world. Drink this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And then he ends by saying to them, got another promise for you. I'm not gonna drink from this cup again until I drink it again with you in my father's kingdom. So you and I have been telling a story for a long time. You and I received a story, some of us from our parents, some of us from our pastors, some of it from our friends, that God not only loves us, that God not only created us, that God not only made a way for our salvation, but God has promised that he will return for us and that we can live in relationship with him forever. And he is a God who keeps his promises. We're gonna sing and as we sing, these altars are yours. If you'd like to come pray about whatever it is that you've been struggling with, where it feels like God may not be coming through, this is a perfect time to come. I'm not gonna invite tons of people to come pray with you. If you want some friends to pray with you, grab them and say, hey, come down, pray with me. But the altars are open if you'd like to come and spend some time with a God who keeps his promises. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.